Hey there, you're listening to MaritimeGardening.com, episode 53. Uh, today I'm going to talk about something that's uh, it's on my mind from time to time, and I don't know how interesting this will be to people, but I just thought I would play with an idea uh, that runs through my head sometimes when I'm in my garden, and I'm curious to know uh, whether this resonates with people or not. What I want to do today is make a distinction between two approaches to gardening or two mentalities that one might have when they're in the gardening. I'm not talking about people with farms or people that do this for money. I'm just talking about someone who has access to land, either it's your backyard or your uh, community garden plot or your, uh, what's the term they use in Europe or certain parts of the world, your allotment. You have some access to land, you're able to grow some something there and from what I see, there's two kinds of people, two kinds of gardeners, you might, you might say. There's the uh, what I would call uh, the hobby gardener and the food gardener. Um, some of you may know I, I did a, a column this summer. The paper that I did the column in has disappeared. <laughs> so the column is uh, just in cyberspace right now. Uh, I'm trying to find a home for all of that existing content. I want to continue writing a column. Um, I'm, I'm in talks with a couple different publications working that out. It doesn't, uh, they're not very, um, uh, not in a hurry to get it out there because really that topic doesn't become hot until March, April of next year. So um, I'm hoping to get all that content back out there online and uh, to do another series this summer. But anyway, it's a side point. Um, I entitled the name of the column Growing Food with Greg because that's what I'm doing when I'm in, my, in my garden. I'm growing food. Uh, you'll notice people that are regular listeners to this, I don't talk about flowers and ornamentals and all that sort of stuff. Um, that's all fine, but there's tons of content out there. Uh, locally here and online and elsewhere, there's many, many, many people talking about that topic. So I don't really think I, don't, I can add much to it. I'm also not that interested in it anyway. And if you're like me and you're really, if you've got land you want to grow food, you're equally uninterested. And I would say, if anything, the, the gardening world is more fixated on the ornamentals than the food. If you go to a garden center, most of what they're selling is things that look pretty, right? Colors and stuff. And nothing wrong with that. I'm not poo-pooing or dumping on that at all. Uh, I'm just saying that the, the, if you've been listening to this podcast, that's not the thrust of, of the content. We're talking about, you got some land, you want to grow food, and you're interested in that. That's why I entitled the, uh, the column Growing Food with Greg, and that's the general thrust here. So in this episode, I wanted to sort of uh, distinguish between those two approaches. I'm going to call the one the hobby gardener. And, and this is within the people that are growing food, right? They've got a patch of earth, and they're growing food on it. They're not growing flowers and stuff. They're growing food. So I'm going to use one category, the hobby gardener. And the other category I'm going to use, which the one I would put myself in, is the food gardener. I'm going to distinguish between these two, and then I'm going to talk more about the food gardener category. If, if that's what you're trying to do, if that's your mentality, uh, oftentimes, you know, we, we're um, working through activities in our lives, and we may not even be able to identify exactly what we're doing with our time because we don't have the vocabulary or the category for what we're doing. 
Um, so that's why I'm talking about this today, to sort of give people a, a category. It's like, well, what am I actually doing? What, what am I doing out here? Because when you talk to most people and they say, uh, oh, I have a garden, they'll say, oh, yeah, my, I have a garden in my backyard. And they mean like a little tiny plot, right? And they grow a couple tomatoes. Or it's, oh, my father, my, my mother, they, they love gardening. They're gardeners. And what they really, most of the time when you're talking to, to people, they're talking about hobby gardening, growing a couple things because it's fun, they like it. Um, whereas uh, on the show here, I'm really talking about food gardening. You know, I'm trying to feed myself here. I mean, I'm not in desperate, I'm not in desperate hard times. Um, you know, if my whole garden burnt up, we wouldn't start to death, right? <laughs> if a meteor dropped on my garden, we'd be fine. I'd be very sad, but we'd be fine, right? We're not in a situation, we're not in a hand to most desperate situation, but it's it's my mentality, right? I've got some land, I want to get something out of it, and I enjoy that pro, I enjoy the process. I'm not out there like, oh yeah, I have to get food. Uh, I'm not a slave to it. Uh, nothing of the kind. I'm not in that situation. I enjoy getting food out of my land. That's my mentality. So let me just flesh out these two categories. Um, and this is something I'm doing slightly off the top of my head. I'm just playing with the ideas here. So if it's not uh, the most uh, well-articulated thing in the world, uh, uh, I apologize for that. But So the first category here is what I would call the hobby gardener. That's a person you're gardening because you enjoy gardening. <laughs> you're gardening for gardening's sake. Um, and your, your main goal is, is fun. Right? Just like, you know, I, you know, I know some people, they, they just grow peppers because they like growing peppers, and they, every year they're trying to grow the biggest, best peppers they can grow, and they enjoy it, and they, they do some things with them, they dry some of them, they turn some of them into this, they eat some of them, whatever, they enjoy that. Still still people that are growing food, but they're focusing on a couple things, or I know people that try to grow things that are really tough to grow in the, their particular climate, right? They try to trick nature into letting certain things grow. So they'll dr grow real heat-loving things in a cold place. They'll erect a hot house. They'll do all this sort of stuff. Or maybe there's just one or two particular things that they like to grow for themselves and they find it tastes better than what they get in the store, but they're not doing it on a grand scale. All right, so that's the hobby gardener. And you know, what's the side effects? The, the goal is fun. The side effects are you get some food, you get some nutrition, you get some exercise, you get some sun, you get your vitamin D or whatever, um, you get your fresh air, and uh, whatever you know, mental health uh, benefits go along with the fresh air. And you get some minor savings, right? Whatever you're growing and eating, you don't have to buy that thing. Um, you know, some people that are hobby gardeners spend more on their gardens that they get back. Uh, some don't. That's really up to you and your, your finances. But perhaps you could achieve some minor savings from that activity, right? If you're growing something that's, uh, you know, expensive to buy and uh, you're, you're getting back more than... <laughs> the money you're spending to grow it, uh, maybe you can get some minor savings there. Um, so that's the hobby gardener. Now I'm going to talk about the food gardener, which is what I would categorize myself as. The goal, I mean, what, how would I define that, right? A food gardener is someone who's trying to use their land, you're trying to use your land to feed yourself, right? That's that's what you're interested in. And yes, that's fun if, if you like that, right? But it's just a certain mentality. I've got land, I want to grow stuff. Uh, I think one of the first episodes I said, as soon as I owned my first house and I had land in my backyard, I said, I want something to grow in there. And every year I wanted to grow more. And I've always been wired that way. And I, you know, I don't believe in the green thumb. I've talked about that before on this. Anyone that wants to learn to grow food is going to learn to grow food. Uh, if you keep trying and you stay at it, you'll get better and better at it. Keep reading about it and keep absorbing, absorbing information. But I do think that that mentality where I've got land, 
I've got some time. I want to use that time to turn that land into something productive. Um, I don't know if you're born that way, but I grew up that way. I grew up watching um, my parents do that sort of thing, and in my neighborhood, some people did that sort of thing, and I've always been intrigued by that, and I can't really turn it off. It's just as long as I can, you know, as long as there's breath and strength in me, I think I will be wired that way. It's fairly hardwired now. Um, so the goal of the food gardener is is food, right? Uh, you're trying to get calories and nutrition. They're not necessarily the same thing. I mean, um, you're trying to get food value, right? That's calories. And another aspect of food food value is, is nutrition, right? You're getting all your vitamins and all that sort of stuff. You don't want to have to take pills and all that sort of stuff. You want to get have really healthy food, and you want uh, to grow enough to sustain yourself to, or to the best that's possible. That's a goal. I've never grown enough food where I didn't have to buy food. We, we buy, we have a grocery bill all summer long. We, have a gro- we buy groceries every week. We buy gro- groceries all year. But I would say in the summer we spend way less on food. Um, and the more sort of, I'm not a vegetarian, but uh, I try to eat less and less meat all the time. And I try to get my family in, in that direction. But, you know, it's not... Uh, uh, it's not a dictatorship, <laughs> right? So uh, uh, if everybody wants uh, steak, then we're having steak, right? It's not worth uh, fighting over for me. Uh, it's just a goal. It's just a nice goal. I, I know that having more vegetables in your diet is good for you. So uh, the goal to try to every year try to get that ratio up and just have more and more uh, food in my diet. That's that's vegetable, plant matter in my diet. Because um, from everything I've read, that's a good good thing to do. So that's the goal, right? You want food. You got land. You want the land to make food for you, and you want to do that in a way that's as cost-effective and also as efficient in terms of your time as possible, right? Most of us, and I fall into this category. You've got some sort of job you do, and uh, you're you're not a full-time gardener. You're full-time something else, and you garden on the side. Um, so you you want to get yield, some sort of yield from your land, but you've got other things you've got to do, so it's got to be relatively low maintenance. That's why permaculture is just the right way to go for anyone in that category. And then there's your side effects, right? So your goal is the food, the calories and the nutrition. The side effects are you're getting uh, exercise, you're getting sun, you're getting fresh air. We're basically all the same things as the hobby gardener. I would say if you're a food gardener, you're probably going to get a little more exercise because you're gardening on a grander scale, usually. So you're going to get more exercise, more sun, and more fresh air. Um, so those are all positive side effects. Um, too much sun can be bad, but you know a little bit is good for you. It can get some vitamin D out of that. Um, but the savings you're going to get, if you're doing this right, if you're a food gardener and you're doing it right, you're going to get major savings. And I did an episode, a podcast on this, The Economics of Gardening, where I showed that uh, you know, it can be quite uh, dramatic if you if you think about how many weeks of a year your garden is giving you food, and you put a value to the amount of food that the garden is allowing you to avoid buying. So I, I think the uh, the example I gave is, what if the garden saves you twenty dollars a week on your grocery bill, right? Well, that adds up to eighty dollars a month, and if you get food for you know X number of months, then that that adds up, right? I think my garden, you know, is fairly productive from a food point of view for about five months of the year. So uh, using the $20 a week thing, if it's $20 a week, which is $80 a month, 
and that's five months, that's $400, right? So that's not, that's not nothing. Uh, if you only put, let's say, $40 in your garden for seeds and stuff like that, um, and you're getting a lot of your, sourcing a lot of your resources for free, your mulch and your manure or whatever, then it's going to save you a few hundred dollars a year. If you're really supplementing your diet with the garden and you're growing things with that mentality in mind, maybe you'll save $40 a week. Right? So now that's even more. Or maybe you'll save $60 a week if you're you know, uh, really getting food from that and it's really displacing other things in your diet. Um, that's all up to you and, and your food and, and your choices and that sort of stuff. I would, I, it's probably harder to do with with a, a family with a number of people into it unless you can get everybody on board with that. It's probably easier to do if you're on your own and, and you're in complete control of, of your diet. Um, but anyone with a family knows you're, you're really not in control of anything. <laughs> You've got a spouse and some kids. Uh, or, or whatever. Uh, if it's more than if it's more than just you, you're not in control. <laughs> that's my, that's what I would say. Um, uh, anyway, and furthermore, if you're a food gardener, you know I think you're probably going to have a larger garden, even if you're by yourself. You know you're probably going to be maybe 600 square feet or, or up. Um, you know from from that size up. Um, my garden is 2,500 square feet, um, but even you know 600 would be 60 by 10. Right, my, my garden is 50 by 50. It's rather rough dimension. I'm speaking of feet now, and it could be bigger, right? I mean, I, I definitely could grow more. Uh, uh, I'd have to be strategic with the selection, but I could definitely grow more. I actually expanded my garden this year. I added about uh, five new four by eight beds to my garden this year. Uh, I hadn't planned to, but I never plan to. I seem to always increase. Um, <laughs> to, in whatever capacity I can, I increase. Um, and this this year was a very last minute decision, but uh, it, it had you know had, I was really happy with the results of that. So if you're so let me talk. So I made that distinction now, and I'm not judging one or the other. But um, this episode, I'm speaking to the food gardener. So if you're a hobby gardener, you can turn off, <laughs> or you know you can keep listening, and maybe you'll change your mind. Because what I'm going to talk about for the rest of the episode is, let's say you have that goal of being the food gardener. Let's say maybe you've been working for toward that, and you didn't even realize it, right? I don't think when I started being a gardener, I said, I'm going to be a food gardener and this is my goal. No, I just, you know, it was almost like I was following an instinct, like a salmon going upstream. I just needed everything to get, oh, I need to grow more. And then the next year, oh, next year I'm going to grow even more. And, oh, I want to grow this thing. I want to grow that thing. Oh, I should grow some of this, right? And it just gets bigger and bigger and you really can't, it's almost a compulsion. You can't turn it off. Um, so if, if, if you feel like that's been going on, with your activities on your property, you have the land you have access to. Guess what? You're a food gardener. So, uh, what I'm going to do for us this episode is just talk about what that's like and how if that's what I've been doing, and sort of how I've been thinking about that, and how I've been going about coming up with strategies that make that possible. You know, given a busy lifestyle, you got a job, you got a, a spouse or partner, you've got children, you've got all these different obligations. And uh, how do you get that big garden and make that all work? And number one, I would say take a permaculture approach. Get a mulch in your garden. Do things that cooperate with nature so that nature is working with you and helping you out and doing a lot of the work for you. As I've said in many of the episodes, I, 
do very almost no weeding all summer long you know during the height of gardening season late spring uh, full summer early early fall I'm not weeding I'm not watering uh, I'm not fertilizing I'm not doing any of that stuff all I'm doing is just doing a little minor maintenance of the garden and that means you know, things that need to be trellised or, or uh, moved around or whatever sometimes you get a, a squash and the vines are going in the wrong direction you got to keep track of things keeping an eye on pests and stuff but just minor maintenance every morning you take a little five minute walk through your garden with a cup of coffee uh, see what needs doing um, so you want a low maintenance garden you want to choose <coughs> crops that are going to give you high yields are going to give you uh, a lot back for very little work and you want to choose things that are going to work in your climate and your growing conditions be realistic uh, a classic calorie crop is corn right everybody talks about corn it's probably one of the most uh, heavily grown crops in the world uh, but in my backyard it grows terribly <laughs> I cannot have I've grown it every year and you know I get enough corn to have corn in the cob a couple times um, but it's not like I'm getting thousands of calories worth of corn every year um, it's more like for me for my property it's more like growing corn is like a hobby oh I like the taste of corn I'm gonna grow a little bit of corn I am not feeding my family or even myself with the corn I grow and this year I didn't even bother with it first year of my life I just said forget it not gonna do it. especially with this particular property on this particular land I don't have the heat for corn I just said the heck with it maybe next year I'll give it a try but this year I just took a break from corn and I'm so glad I did because I got so much more out of my garden I didn't waste a big uh, you know patch let's say a 30 square foot of garden on on this crop that really doesn't do so well here no matter what I do and it's not the soil because I mean I've had things grow like crazy here it's it's just I don't have the heat I do not have the heat for corn here it just doesn't work that well um, and it's taken me a number of years to admit that uh, that's not to say I won't try it next year. If I can find a variety that really likes the cold, <laughs> right? There's new varieties all the time. Um, uh, maybe that'll work out well. Maybe if there's been a variety developed in Norway or Alaska or something like that, it'll grow well here. But I just do not have a hot summer here. Um, so crop selection is important. Uh, I'm going to talk about a handful of, of categories, and I don't know how uh, these are terms that uh, horticulturists use or uh, farmers use or whatever. There's terms I've sort of made up. Uh, when I, I was sitting here before film, uh, recording this episode thinking about what are the kinds of things uh, I grow in my garden? What, what do I have? What, what, how would I categorize those things? And I'd say I've got three kinds of crops, things that I plant every year. I've got calorie crops, storage crops, and, and sort of healthy greens. And uh, I also have perennial crops. Most of those are fruits, really, but perennials. Not all of them, but, well, it depends on how you define that term, I suppose. Um, so let's start with the calorie crops. Calorie crops are crops that you get maximum yield in terms of caloric value, maximum energy per space of land. Um, and that's going to vary depending on where you live, what part of the world you live in, what kind of growing conditions you have. Uh, where I live, I, you know... Um, I'm in zone six in certain parts of the world uh, as a growing zone. Uh, they have an incredible summer, but I'm very close to the coast here. It's uh, relatively somewhat high elevation and it's, uh, it's subject to all these winds and it just doesn't get very hot here. So I can't just grow anything here. And I found over the years that uh, beans grow well here, but bush beans are much more productive than uh, the pole, the you know, the kind that grow tall. 
Uh, I used to live somewhere an hour from here, which was way warmer in the summer than here because it wasn't. It was more in the interior of this province where I live, Nova Scotia, and uh, I would get a lot more beans out of my climbing beans. But here, uh, bush beans seem to be the the ticket. Um, also, uh, I find potatoes grow extremely well here. It's we get a lot of rain and. Uh, all that water seems to result in, in excellent crops of potatoes. It's kind of like Ireland, but colder here. Um, actually, Nova Scotia literally means New Scotland, so I guess it's kind of like Scotland in a lot of ways. New Scotland in, in Latin. Uh, another calorie crop, I don't know if this is officially categorized as such, but I would call a parsnip a calorie crop. Uh, they're like carrots, but if you look at their nutritional components, a parsnip has a lot more starch in it. And if you're eating, you know, we often cook them together. We roast, we, we peel them and toss them with uh, oil and salt and pepper and herbs and roast them in the oven. And you can tell when you're eating a parsnip, it just sticks to your, you know, they say get some, you know, it sticks to your ribs. Um, a parsnip just has more of that, uh, when you're eating it, you get that sense that you're really eating something that's going to fill you up. Or when you eat a carrot, it's, you're getting fiber and vitamins and water and they can be you know certain varieties are quite sweet but you're not getting that feeling like the feeling you get when you eat a potato right you're getting filled up right if you eat a potato you get that if you eat parsnips you eat that and um, squashes as well uh, summer and winter uh, squash right summer squash things like uh, patty pan squash or uh, uh, zucchini all those squashes that don't keep right you have to eat them in the summer um, and then you've got the winter squash, that's the different kinds of pumpkins and acorn squash and butternut squash and that sort of stuff. I have some in my garage right now. You, you pick those before it gets too cold. You put them uh, somewhere that's not too cold, not too hot. I use my garage. And uh, they'll keep for quite a while. So mine have been in the garage for, oh, over a month now, I think, and they're, they're still completely fine. So you get a lot of meals out of that, right? The potatoes keep very easily. Um, the beans, um, I, I just blanch and freeze them. I've got a lot of beans in my, my freezer right now. And beans are also very good for you. But they're very easy to grow. And all of these things, calorie crops, are pretty easy to grow. Really low-maintenance type plants. I'd say the most work of all of these calorie crops that I've listed, beans, potatoes, parsnips, squash. And there's other ones. I'm just, I'm just mentioning the ones I grow. These are what work well for me here where I am right now. Beans are probably the most work because... Uh, when they're producing, you have to pick them every two days. They're not hard to grow. It's it's when they start producing beans that's hard to keep up because you'll get a, a big bowl full every couple of days and you got to do stuff. you got to eat them or you've got to preserve them or you've got to freeze them. you got to do something with them. Uh, but that's great because, you know, I've got enough beans. I don't have to buy that sort of thing for quite a while. Uh, then you've got these other kinds of crops um, that... Uh, uh, they're not calorie crops per se, but they're storage crops nonetheless. So uh, carrots, you, you know, you pick your carrots, you put them in a cardboard box with a few layers between tiers. They'll keep quite a while. Uh, actually, my carrots are still in the ground right now, and uh, I've, I've been eating them all fall, and we still have carrots. And I, I just planted a bit, and we eat a lot of them. We've been eating tons and tons of carrots. I actually got my kids to actually like them and eat them this fall. Major accomplishment. Uh, beets are another storage crop. Um, you can store them in a cardboard box for quite a while. Last year I had uh, beets well until uh, I was eating my beets that it's just stored in a cardboard box right until February. February. 
this year I decided to pickle all my beets because I just love pickled beets. <laughs> That's what I did with them. I've got about uh, two gallons of pickled beets. And also growing the kinds of pickling cucumbers you can make pickles. And if you've watched any of my YouTube videos, <laughs> I went crazy with pickles this year. I have gallons upon gallons upon gallons of uh, lacto-fermented pickles, the old-fashioned sort of kosher dill style uh, pickles. And uh, man, they're good. Uh, another kind of storage crop um, is uh, garlic, right? If you grow garlic, uh, you just dry them out and hang them, and they'll keep quite a while. And onions, the same sort of thing. If you dry them out and put them in a situation where they're uh, dry and the air can get at them, really just, you know, if you dry them out properly and put them in a cardboard box with, with tears in between, same way you store the potatoes. I did an episode on how to store potatoes. That's pretty much how you store any sort of root crop or any sort of storage crop, at least the ones I mentioned here. That's how I store everything. Um, cardboard box, tears between the layers, put the lid on, uh, the cardboard box breathes, there's enough airflow in there to keep everything just right. And at least that's been my experience. And then there's um, the perennials, right? Your, the strawberries, you plant those once, they come back every year. They're low maintenance. All you got to do, and I've got a video in the works now, I haven't, I haven't edited it out yet, but um, showing you how I deal with my strawberries, how I put them to sleep for the winter. I just cover them with mulch, really, that's it. So I find strawberries an extremely low-maintenance, high-productivity garden because you get all these this beautiful fruit. You get the strawberries. You can have them in your salads. And early in the season, you don't have any tomatoes to make salads with, but you've got these sweet red strawberries in uh, July. That's nice. And you can also make jar upon jar upon jar of amazing strawberry jam. Uh, and I've got a whole bunch in my freezer, and I'm not giving any to anyone this Christmas. Forget that. Uh, <laughs> we're keeping it all for ourselves. Um, uh, and you can grow other things like apples and all the different bush berries, blueberries, raspberries, blackberries. Um, and I included rhubarb in there as well, and also things like asparagus. I mean, there's a long list, right? I'm not going to go through all those, but just as a general category, these are a great thing to have if you're if you're a food gardener because you plant them once and they they usually get better and more productive every year, right? You get more every year, and all you got to do is feed the soil, right? Put a mulch down every year, just replenish the mulch. And now, you know, maintain the moisture levels, keep the weeds under control, and feed the organisms in the soil, which will in turn feed your plants. So uh, you really can't go wrong with perennials. All the perennials you can get in your garden. And, and I would put herbs in that category too, and they're really not, you don't get much um, nutrition from uh, herbs, but you do get minerals from herbs. I mean, they're good for you, right? Um, but you're not, you would never survive on herbs. They really add value. I haven't bought herbs in years. I have so many herbs in my garden, and the plants get bigger and better every year. Uh, and then there's your sort of seasonal things, things that, that grow in the summer, and there's ways you can store them. Um, so you know, potato, tomatoes, eggplant, peppers, and lettuce and stuff like that. I mean, lettuce is one of those crops where... Um, I don't put a lot of energy in it. I grow enough that we can have a lettuce salad whenever we want, uh, but I'm not going to grow 50 pounds of lettuce <laughs> a year, right? It's just no, it doesn't keep. It's not, it has to be fresh. So, and a lot of those things I find that way. I mean, there, there's what you can dry peppers and, and, and uh, you know, there's ways you can store eggplants and, and things like that. But uh, I find peppers and eggplants, they're a real challenge to grow where I am here. Uh, so it's not worth putting a lot of energy. I grow enough so I can have have them in the summer and I enjoy them at that point in time and uh, I'll make some salsas and some tomato sauces and stuff like that but I don't spend a lot of time and energy on uh, tomatoes I use my space for other things uh, a lot more of these uh, storage crops that's just me uh, tomatoes you know 
they grow well here, but I find the bush ones grow better. I don't get a long tomato season. When I lived in a valley, which is a bit warmer place from here, uh, I had a longer tomato season. I would have tomatoes from, I don't know, late July till sometime in October. Um, whereas now I don't even get to, no matter what I grow or how I go about it, <laughs> I don't really get tomatoes until uh, sometime in August. I just don't have as long a tomato season here. So I don't put as much energy into it because uh, I'm trying to get food out of my garden and I get very, you know, not as much food back for the energy I put in when I'm growing things like tomatoes. Anyway, I thought for an episode I'd just play with these uh, categories, i play with these considerations. And uh, I'm curious to know if this uh, resonates with anyone out there, uh, if, if anyone else out there has been thinking this way or in, in hearing the conversation thinks, hey, you know what, that's actually what I've been doing. I never really put a name to it or, or really thought about it that much. Um, so if that's what you've been aiming at or that's what you've been moving towards, uh, hopefully this episode will give you some something to think about, uh, a way to come up with, you know, because we're getting towards the end of gardening season now, and it's time to start thinking about next year and coming up with a plan. Um, so if that's really, if you step back and think, what have I been, what have I been doing out there, <laughs> right? If, if, you've, if you've been a food gardener, <laughs> or if you're becoming a food gardener, hopefully this episode will give you something to chew on over the winter months and think, well, wow, I am a food gardener. Well, how can I be better at that? You know, what uh, what sort of plan should I have for next year to get more out of that? All right, so uh, I think that does it for this week. I really want to thank you for listening. And um, if you haven't already, um, check out the other episodes we have of the podcast. This is episode 53, I think. So we've got uh, lots to listen to. And I've got the... Uh, good number of videos on the YouTube channel. I think um, I just made it into the top 100 gardening YouTube channels. <laughs> some some online organization just gave me some sort of virtual medal for that, for whatever that means. Um, I'm certainly not uh, quitting my day job <laughs> as a result of that. But uh, anyway, I got uh, lots of them. Still, still shooting some videos. I got a couple more gardening videos to do. Uh, before everything freezes up and all that becomes uh, impossible. So, um, yeah, if you're interested in that, give, give that a go to uh, have a watch. All right, so um, uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye-bye.